I've noticed that all kinds of people are interested in angels. You talk about angels, people, uh, many people have a story of some kind to tell you about angels. Even people who aren't Christians believe in angels somehow. A Times CNN poll showed that in the United States at least 69% of Americans believed in angelic beings or guardian angels, things like that. There have been many movies and TV series with angels as central characters. No end of books and articles about angels and other celestial beings. This interest in angels is good because it shows that people are still open to spiritual ideas, still searching for answers beyond humanistic philosophies. They still think there's something out there. They like to think about angels. The danger, of course, is that without Bible knowledge, the general public can easily be misled. And no wonder, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Now there's some popular misconceptions being circulated about angels in these books and magazines and movies. Some of the more common misconceptions you know, angels showing up out of nowhere to help stranded motorists or little children. Angels appearing as strangers with just the right words of encouragement or insight. There are countless movies where angels help politicians, baseball players, small animals, and they do so invisible to everyone except the recipient of the help. I don't know how that idea came about, Only one person saw the angel, not the others. One writer, uh, Malcolm Goodwin, describes an 84-year-old widow named Ruth Norman who drives an electric blue Cadillac with a flying saucer on the roof and she claims to be the archangel Uriel, Uriel, uh, mentioned in Jewish and ancient Christian folklore, not in the Bible. Now the amazing thing is that she has managed to get over 400 people to believe her. And that would be funny if you didn't stop to think that we don't have 400 people here. Ruth and her blue Cadillac with the, with the satellite, she's got 400 people. Yeah, we don't have 400 people here tonight. Her congregation is bigger than ours. On a more serious note, There are some teachings about angels that are much darker and can lead one into various serious kinds of sin and destruction. In one book, Ask Your Angel, that's the title of the book, the author gives instructions on communicating with angels. He gives ways for conducting what he calls inner telephone exercises to call up your angels when you need to talk to them. It sounds good, it's comfy like the couch over there. It's harmless until you read Deuteronomy chapter 18 verses 10 to 12. And in Deuteronomy chapter 18, 10 to 12, God says, no one shall be found among you who practices divination or is a soothsayer or who consults ghosts or spirits for whoever does these things is abhorrent to the Lord. 
So it's a fun idea and it's a nice idea and it's a comfortable idea but it's not a biblical idea to try to communicate with angels or spirit beings. It's abhorrent to the Lord. So we need to measure spiritual experiences including the popular talk about angels against the standard of tested biblical truth. And so this evening we're going to look at some of the basic things the Bible says about angels. Now there are no places in the Bible where angels themselves are described at any length. There are no personality descriptions about angels in the Bible. There are no histories or discussions between angels other than the archangel Michael rebuking Satan in their struggle over Moses' body. There are no passages showing what they thought or their opinions. Well, let's, let's find out what Michael the archangel thinks about this over here. No, we don't have any of that in the Bible. They don't have any opinions, the angels, not that we know of. The Bible refers to angels mostly by what they did and is fairly consistent in this in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. The word angel in both Hebrew and Greek um, writings meant a messenger, a messenger, whether sent from God or sent from Satan. They are referred to in other ways, however, throughout the Bible. And I, I'm not listing all of them, but just a few. Uh, the angel of the Lord or the angel of Jehovah in Je- Genesis 16, 9. Sons of the mighty in Psalm 29.1, the holy ones or the council in Psalm 89.7, the watchers in Deuteronomy 4 verse 13, the congregation in Psalm 82 verse 1, the host or hosts in Psalm 89.5, spirits, Hebrews 1.14, principalities, powers, thrones, dominions, Colossians 1.16, Archangel, 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 16. Again, there are other references, but these here show the variety of ways that angels are described in the Bible. We know that they are created beings. We know that in Colossians 1.16. And that they came into existence before the world was made. Because in Job 38.7, Uh, The writer says that angels rejoiced when the world was created. So we can infer from that that they were there before the world was created. We tend to think that they are simply higher forms of human beings like invisible Superman or something like that. This is because they often appear in scripture in the form of men, males. They never appear as women. Although we see that in popular you know, uh, movies and mythology, women are angels, but in the Bible, angels appear as men, only men, and never appear as children either. That's also a popular you know, image, uh, you know, the, the little cherubs, the little baby angels, if you wish, but those are not biblical concepts. Uh, angels are spirit beings, yes, that are not human, and as far as we know, not made in the image of God. That is why humans will, in paradise, judge the angels. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 3. There's no specific count of the number of angels that exist. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that their number is countless. Deuteronomy 7, verse 10. Although there is no profile of a particular angel, 
In order to understand their nature better, we can gain insight about them in a variety of ways. For example, their character or their characteristics. Uh, One way is by examining several angels who are identified and some of the general characteristics that the Bible uh, describes about them. First of all, the Bible names only a few individual angels. Gabriel, right? The word means man of God. Gabriel, who revealed visions to Daniel in Daniel chapter 8, verse 16. Uh, Michael, the word means uh, who is like God. Michael, who strengthened Daniel during one of his visions. Daniel chapter 10, verse 13. Now the same, the same angels are mentioned again in the New Testament hundreds of years later. Gabriel who announced to Mary that she had conceived, Luke 1.19, and Michael who struggled with Satan for Moses' body, Jude verse 9 mentions that. Now Jude says that Michael was an archangel which means chief angel. And this suggests a hierarchy of heavenly beings with greater and lesser angels and with various responsibilities. For example, in Daniel chapter 10 verses 20 and 21, there's reference to the fact that different angels served as princes for different countries. Another characteristic, sometimes a non-human name is used to refer to an angel. For example, the angel of the Lord or the angel of Jehovah. In Genesis 16.7 we have the first reference to this particular angel with Hagar, but later in Genesis 18 the same angel appears to Abraham and Abraham appeals to him to save Sodom. In Genesis 32.24 Jacob wrestles with this angel and says, I have spoken with God face to face. And the same angel is prominent in other places. Moses and the burning bush in Exodus 3. Leading Israel out of Egypt, Exodus 13. Appearing to Gideon, Judges 6. So this angel is especially fascinating because it is never clear if the angel is an angel or if it's the Lord himself appearing as an angel. The thinking seems to be that God has sent Jesus in the person of an angel as a forerunner to his appearance as a man, following the natural order of creation. Angels were created first and then mankind or man was created. And so therefore the son appears in the form of an angel first and then he appears in the form of a man as Jesus Christ. Another interesting point about angels The angel that is most evident in the Bible is Satan. More is said about Satan than any of the other angels. We don't know when Satan fell. We don't have the details about it. All we know are the results. For example, in 2 Peter 2, verse 4 and Jude 6, the writers tell us that angels, including Satan, sinned and were cast down. Now Jude explains that their sin was that they left their domain or their place. Some scholars thought that this referred to angels coming to earth and having sex with women 
and creating these half men, half devils for which the earth was eventually destroyed by a flood. Genesis verse 6, you know where it says the sons of God slept with the daughters of man. Of course this teaching is largely based on the apocryphal book of Enoch and a belief in the medieval witchcraft that said that a devil could act as an incubus and lie with a woman or as a succubus and lie with a man. The Bible doesn't support these ideas. The only information we have is that certain angels, including Satan, left their position and thus sinned. And for this, God did the following. And we read about this in 2 Peter 2 and Jude 6. Because they left their position, God removed them from those positions and committed them to pits of darkness. He reserved them for judgment and destruction. He also limited their power and influence but did not eliminate it altogether. This is why we see references to Satan and his angels effect in tempting and leading forces of evil in this world. He has power but he doesn't have unlimited, unlimited power. From all this information we can see several things about angels and their characteristics. Let me list some of these for you. First, they are intelligent and can process information but do not know when Jesus will return. Matthew 24, 36. Secondly, they can communicate. Thirdly, they have responsibilities. We'll talk about this later. Fourth, there is a hierarchy of angels. Fifth, they have free will. Sixth, they recognize each other as distinct beings. Michael speaking to Satan. Seven, they can experience feelings. In other words, they rejoice at the creation of the world, but they have no sensuous or sexual desire. Because Jesus said, we will be like the angels, not, necess- not, you know, not, not needing to marry or, or be given in marriage. Number eight, they have power that can be expressed in the natural world. You know, the angel of death went to Egypt and killed every firstborn. That's the angel coming from the spiritual dimension into a physical dimension and exercising power that is felt in the physical dimension. Number nine, they are eternal now. And number 10, they can take on human form. There may be more, but some of the things about angels that we can glean from our study. Now there are other characteristics, but all of these are subordinate to the reason for their existence, which are not the same as the reason for man's existence. They were not created for the same reasons that we were created. Angels have several functions which define who they are, and support the purpose of their initial creation. In other words, God created them for three main reasons. Number one, they are messengers and instruments of divine will. And that's how we see them most of the time. They carry God's messages to different individuals. 
angels spoke to Abraham and Moses and Daniel and Mary and Peter and John, among others. They were God's messengers to man. Today they no longer fulfill this role since we have God's complete message revealed to us once and for all in the Bible. Jude 3. So if you think an angel spoke to you and gave you a message, sorry, wrong number. (laughs) Here's the message. Here's the message that we all have. And all of us have access to the very same message. God no longer uses angels in that way anymore. Another function, they minister to the saints. Hebrews 1 verse 14. Here we have a little information as to how they may do so in the modern era. For example, they serve the Jews in protecting them from their enemies in the Old Testament. Very Angels very involved in the history of the Jews. You know, the Hebrew writer, the first thing that, that, he, that he mentions as far as Jesus is concerned is that he's higher than the angels. And for a, a Jewish mindset that was important to understand because angels factored quite largely in the history of the Jews. And so the Hebrew writer says, yes, that's true, but Jesus, he's above the angels. An angel ministered to Jesus in the desert and also in the garden. Matthew 4, Luke 22. An angel released Peter from prison. Acts 5. Angels are said to be before God on behalf of children. Matthew 18, verse 10. But we have no other indications of how angels minister to us today in our everyday lives. I think this is where so much speculation comes in about their activities. In the absence of information, what do people do? They make stuff up. (laughs) They just make this stuff up. They can't stand the idea that there's no more information, so they just create information. Entire books written about angels that have zero basis in the Bible. Now what the Bible does say is that angels are active in relationship to our salvation. Okay? So we know that they rejoice at our repentance. Luke 15:10. They hear our confession of faith. Luke 12 verse 8. They watch over the church. Revelation 1 verse 20. Their greatest activity and presence, however, seems to be at the end of the world. They will accompany Jesus when He returns, Matthew 25, 31. They separate the righteous from the wicked, Matthew 13, verse 41. They are involved in the judgment of Satan, Revelation 20, verses 1 to 3. We know this much about how angels minister to the saints today, but the Bible is silent about any more. And so to speculate beyond this point is to go beyond what is written. And the Bible says we should not do this. 1 Corinthians 4, 6. We should not go beyond what is written. We have so much information and no more. We can speculate about that information, but we can't make up more information. Not that it's just unwise and not prudent. We are told not to do that. Not to go beyond what is written. So 
angels, used as messengers, used as ministers. And thirdly, their function, they praise the name of the Lord. David repeatedly mentions the angels as the agents of heavenly praise. Psalm 103, 21 and 148. Who else is going to, who else is going to praise Him in heaven? The saints? You know, that, hasn't, that hasn't happened yet. The pattern continues throughout the Bible. Whenever the prophets and apostles would have visions of heaven, they would describe the angels continually praising and serving God. Our praise is a complement and a reflection of the ongoing praise that takes place in heaven. We join with them to praise God. When we're here, we're praising God and the angels are with us uh, praising God in heaven. So what do we know about angels in this brief review of what the Bible teaches? Well first we know that a lot of what is written about them is not based on the scriptures and the only angels that exist are the ones described in the Bible. So let's be careful about what we read, what we consume, what we pass on. Certainly about angels. Secondly we know that they are created spirit beings that have a variety of characteristics referred to in different ways and that several of them, including Satan, are in rebellion towards God and will ultimately be totally um, restrained. And then thirdly, we also understand that they have major functions and that it is through these functions that they can best be defined. And we know as far as their functions are concerned that they are messengers, they have and continue to minister to God's people in various ways, and they continually praise God in the heavenly, in the heavenly dimension. Final point I want to make about angels. <clears throat> Is there anything we can learn from angels? Even if they don't teach or preach, is there anything we can learn from them? I think so. I think there are two major things we can learn from their behavior. Number one, we can learn about humility from the angels. I mean, these are beings that have free will and power, intelligence beyond our own, but their humility precludes them from ever using these to take our attention away from God. You know, when Mike was preaching this morning and he was describing the angels, Holy, 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 they say. Holy, the Father. Holy, the Son. Holy, the Holy Spirit, right? Two wings, they covered, they covered their eyes, right? What was that about? They, as Mike said, they were not looking at God. It also says they covered their feet. You know, two wings, that's humility. Not show their minor, you know, um, extension of their bodies and two wings they flew. A beautiful example of this humility also is in Judges 13 when Manoah the mother of Samson finds out from the angel of the Lord that her prayers have been answered and she will have a son. In her joy she wants to honor the angel by offering him a meal but he refuses and tells her to take the food and sacrifice it to God instead. 
What great things we could accomplish and peace we could experience if we could allow God to receive the credit and the honor for everything that we do, rather than craving the honor of men and feel jealous when somebody else is praised. These mighty beings that are in the presence of God exercise tremendous humility. We could learn that from them to exercise humility. And then another thing that we can learn from the angels is obedience. Peter said that God did not spare angels when they sinned. Second Peter 2 verse 4. So here are these powerful intelligent spirit beings who were cast down from heaven when they disobeyed God. I mean even angels who are in the presence of God have to obey the Lord. <laughs> this should make us think twice when we doubt God's promises to bless those who obey Him and punish those who disobey Him or are unfaithful. If He did it to the angels, well, He'll do it to us too. Before the world was created, this primal lesson was set before us in the heavenly places. How can we ignore such a clear and frightening, actually, reality? God deals with the angels in the same way that He deals with us. He requires from the angels the same thing that He requires from us. So a lot of things we don't know about angels and I look forward to seeing and hearing them and joining them in the praise of our Lord when I get to heaven. Amen? Oh, you don't think I'm going to heaven, do you? One thing I do know, however, is that the angels that are observing our assembly will rejoice if one comes forward to confess Christ this evening or comes forward to repent of sin and ask for forgiveness. So we'll begin the singing and we will hear by faith the countless angels rejoicing if anyone here tonight responds to the invitation. If you need to come to Jesus, come now as we and the angels sing this song of encouragement.